Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Corey Walsh is back, and he's only here for a limited time only, apparently, I just found out. But hey, glad to have you. I'm happy to be here, Rob. And yeah, I kind of just found out, too. I don't remember if my wife told me or not. And like I was saying, she probably did. That we have a kid's birthday party at Pump It Up. I get to go jump around at some... <laughs> wait, 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 what? It's called Pump It Up. It's like a, it's like a kid's place that just has a bunch of inflatables in there and stuff. Is that what they I'm do? I'm actually like... Yeah. Is that what they do for just kids' parties? I feel like anything inflatable, you just bring them there. And even as adults, like guys kind of fall around the same basis because we, we still are them. interested in inflatable things. Bring your own inflatable party. Yeah. That can, that a, that can go sideways real quick. There was that guy who was like, what is it, worst um, addictions or something? And he had, he, it's the documentary starts off, he goes, My name's Tom, and I've been, I, I've had, this relationship with my wife for over 26 years and then it says tom has been married for 26 years and then it says below his married significant other is inflatable and then it's just his house and his wife is a dolphin that's inflatable like the shit you throw in a pool and everything is around him is all inflatable furniture and he's been apparently married to this thing for 26 years where i'm like what do you do as a family member do you just disconnect it couldn't be a yeah right like is that a legally binding marriage i don't know because don't you have to say i do or something like that to from both parties? i mean yeah you have to show consent right and i was also going to say that's kind of bullshit if people are allowed, that people were allowed to get married to inflatable things i know and gay people that... couldn't get married for the longest time <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah i i, uh, I guess I guess a uh, latex fetish, maybe because it does actually kind of stay in the closet and doesn't go out and yell, I'm proud, because no one's yelling about being proud about a latex fetish. So the people that get weirded out by anything that makes them uncomfortable are probably okay with it because they're not getting it. They don't have to see it. But do you that get married sense. online or do you go into an actual church? I, like, what does the priest say? Like, imagine being that priest. Good, good. That, that's a good one. That's a good one. Everything's got to be inflatable. Move to Bounce Town or something. <laughs> so Imagine dumb. being the priest that's there. <laughs> you know he was dressed up like Elvis. That's what he. That's where. That's where he had to go. So I can't believe I won't do this thing, but I'm gonna marry you too. <laughs> He's wearing uh like one of the like I don't know. We're, we can get real silly with this if you want. <laughs> okay. <at this> <laughs> I'm thinking of him wearing like an inflatable tie or some stupid. It's my know. fault. I brought up the topic. I didn't mean to. It just we kind of slipped right into it. I'm sure that's his excuse too. How did you guys meet? Well, I just slipped right into just, it. Just slipped right into it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I'm sure. I, see, I'm using pronouns. I'm using her. You're you're going straight with the it. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. I'm judging. I apologize to that. No, man. you're doing the correct thing. I'm judging. I should have asked its thing before we started off this. Yeah, what were you thinking, dude? That I'm surprised a... at how many people are so vocal about being anti-trans. I'm like, where's the cancel culture when you need them? Did they just vanish? Yeah, I think it's kind of, I think the cancel culture thing has kind of gone to the wayside. That was actually one of our predictions at our show in 2023. We thought that like the whole like culture war stuff, like we went through this weird little renaissance in the internet where ever said every, where all of a sudden everyone's opinions, you know, were visible to everyone else. And everyone was like completely shocked that not everyone thought the same way that they did. Because they just assumed it, like, Bob, my neighbor? I thought he was a racist like me. And, <laughs> you know, and so uh, I think everyone, so immediately everyone thinking they had a soapbox was jumping out on the stage and saying what they wanted to say. But, like, like we got an election coming up. 
And if you notice, like, just how much more tempered, unless you're in some of, like, the Facebook groups, it seems like everything's also been corded off to the Facebook groups. But if you, unless you're, like, compared now to, like, 2016 or even 2020, the political freakout on the internet just isn't nearly what it was then. I would have expected it to be more kids of our generation or around our age group that would be more charged on social media. But I'm finding it to be a lot of the older folk. Because like, they took, don't know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, it's like they took the longest time to really figure it out. But every time I'm like in a Facebook group or something like that, it's always the older ones that are like criticizing or talking shit or just being nasty and rude where I'm like, damn, I'm like, you're that. What do you have to do all? You're retired. The biggest thing that they can do is just complain or be slow on the road. So people are late for their work. Like that's and they're all like, they and they're upset because it's not the same way it used to be because nostalgia like which is also kind of funny we make fun of them for like complaining about how it's not the way they used to be but yet we're all going to like 90s themes parties and watching 90s cartoons and like everything that has to do with the 90s we love it they're always bringing stuff about the 90s back they just brought back the little mcnugget guys for adults at mcdonald's what yeah you could buy like there's an adult happy meal that comes to the little chicken nugget guys well, I know what I'm doing when we get done this podcast. <laughs> but because they know nostalgia is a hell of a drug. And here we are doing the same fucking thing 30 years older than the old people and then also making fun of them for doing the same thing. Well, is it a refusal to grow up or do you think that people were I – th I think particularly the 90s, why there's this kind of cultural obsession with it and a lot of people are feeling nostalgic and there's a lot of nostalgia-themed stuff. Is because... It was probably the best decade. I wouldn't say it's the best decade. I think it got ripped from a lot of people quite early. I think there was a. That's what that I was. was yeah, that's yeah, the '80s. You never really saw people that were forced to grow up. It was kind of more still in a state of like you can take your time with it. And then the '90s was like a force to grow up. And then you have all these kids now that are 30 years old still living at home. Um, and it's that's the market as well too. It's pretty shot to shit. But that's the nostalgia factors because most of us, I mean, for me, for instance, I, all my stuff went away when I was like five or six. So, like, I'm an adult now, like, collecting fucking a Bakugan or a Yu-Gi-Oh card. And everyone's like, haven't you grown out of that yet? I was like, hell no. I never got the chance to play with it back then. Yeah, that's I was going to kind of get to that same thing. You know, like, we had a pretty rocky start to the 2000s. And so uh, things Y2K. went haywire pretty quick. Yeah, Y2K. Y2K. Yep. 2001. You know, like, there was a definite, the world was different in one day. And everything that was like that, everything that was, that felt safe and everything before that day was kind of lost on that day. What are you talking about? 9-11? Yeah, 9-11. Yep. Uh, that was there. I mean, I, I wasn't there. I was like, what's well, the whole year? What do you mean? You had to be alive, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I was there. I mean, when I said I was there, I don't mean there at New York. I was at school and we got told we had to come inside off recess, but Yeah. I bet you were. <laughs> I bet you were. Damn, you called me Dan again, you piece I, of Jesus time. Christ. It's it's just, you, you get these little chunks of words there, like like the uh, old school <clears throat> Bart Simpson doll, where it's like, it has six cool phrases. And <laughs> what's new, Dan, must be one of them for me, because it always what? just rolls off the tongue. It's, it's Robbie, and then there's Dan. They're the same amount of syllables, right? You gotta get you easily confused. Robert. Can I call you Bert? No. Okay, I won't do Never. that ever again. I, I apologize. Get out of here. All right, we'll start over. One, two, three. three. Welcome hey, to the Blank Podcast. <laughs> hey, Dan, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You said Cap we're drinking today, right? 
Uh, yeah, if you want to take a sip, I didn't have time to get the thing I wanted to get, but it's fine. Oh, well, fuck. I, I hey, I worked overnight, it. so technically, I just, no sleep technically counts as, like, being kind of intoxicated. Well, since I have to go to a children's birthday party later. Yeah, <laughs> just fill it up. It'll we'll make the bounce a house bit. a little bit more fun. Until I find my some six-year-old that isn't mine. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you think that the parenting style has changed? It seems like more people are involved, but it's also like kids, people are having kids so young or younger that I think that they're kind of cooler. Like they're, they're more like what the cool uncle would be. You think kids are, they think they're having kids younger now, like than like the fifties or sixties. I, I, I mean, that's a different, that's a little bit taken a little bit out of the realm. I mean, most people, let's say 20, 30 years ago, were having kids probably in their thirties. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of coming back down. It's down to like 24, 23, 25. I mean, I'm coming across a shit ton of single moms on Tinder that are like 22 or 23 or something like that. And I'm like, I got screwed over in the algorithm, first of all, but I realized like, there's like, I mean, they're doing. <laughs> yeah, no, they didn't. You're looking up Yu-Gi-Oh cards and Bakugan, and they're like, oh, he must have kids. <laughs> <laughs> and that might be true. That's a good point. I never thought. I never connected those lines together. <laughs> but I, if you really like, I mean, I, I see my friends like they'll put up a photo of like their baby's first Christmas, and they're like a little bit younger than me, or they're my age. And I, I just, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like. It's just you and your baby. I was like, is there not another parent in the room? And it's just like, no, because it didn't work out. It was just a baby thing. And then that was it. And then it goes lives. Where I was like, damn, I was like, separation when I was a kid was like the worst possible thing you could ever be involved in is if your parents separated. And now it's like, everyone's like, oh, we didn't get the same breakfast order. So we're just going to divorce. I'm like, damn, really? I would have ordered the McMuffin if I would have known that. Yeah, my neurodivergence led me on a different path. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just making up things what? that kids say these days. These oh. damn kids, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I said my neuro. If you heard what I said, I said my neurodivergence has led me on a different path than the man that gave me his sperm. It wasn't a funny joke. I'm sorry. I know. Try harder next time. Sip a little bit more of that whiskey. Get your get your blood flowing a little bit. I know it's early. I woke up 15 minutes ago. You can't win them all, right? That's how. You, that's how. You, <laughs> It's how you practice your bits. You just try. You just throw them out there and see what sticks. I have to ask what you what you guys have been really focusing on when it comes to your libservative podcast. So, since we, I think we've already mentioned it on the show, we're we're about to do a rebrand. We need to have a show that matches more of like what our show is. We need the message, or we need the medium and the media to match the message. If that makes sense, you're rebranding already. Well, it's been two fucking years. Yeah, but you haven't even hit 1,500 episodes yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're at like 100 or so. But I feel like like what the original purpose of what we wanted to do was uh, like have like more of like a serious type of news show where we interview people and bring them on. But then it's slowly, I mean, you, you could look at it either way, devolved or evolved into more of a kind of sports talk show, but for politics. And like social commentary and stuff where we're a little bit more loose in the collar and having more fun with it. And so we need a uh a like a slogan and a, a logo and all that stuff that matches that. Because one of the one of the things that we get, one of our biggest uh critiques is like first off the name, they call us dirty centrists. <laughs> and then uh yeah, I know, right? 
and then uh that we are just some like kind of more like goofballish and like we're not like they, i think people think we take ourselves more serious than we do and they kind of try to nab us for that is there a way to do that without I mean, is there a way to do that without talking about politics? I mean, it seems like whenever you talk about politics, people immediately assume that you probably know nothing, but you have an opinion on something. That I mean, that's pretty much what it is. That's what we're doing. I mean, we and that's with any political like journalists or anything like that. They all get shit for like, oh, you don't know this or you don't know that. And I'm like, there's not a way you can really do anything. Right. And we just kind of bullshit about stuff with the nuance of things and bring up stories and hot topics and stuff that are happening and throw our commentary on it so we need we don't yeah we don't want to name we want a name that matches that just like you just said like well we don't really know everything and we could be wrong we're just talking about it we're not here to talk about it you know what would you like to talk about though like if you could pick anything why, why don't you focus more on historical stuff rather than focusing on more modern day problems we do sometimes Tackle an easy one like climate change. That's a, that's an easy one. That's a real yeah, easy one. That's fucking. Yeah, that's funny. We, we actually, fixed it decades ago. Yeah, I just read this article. Did you know that from one EV battery, uh, you can make ninety uh, hybrid cars with the same material of one EV battery? You could break that into ninety hybrid vehicles, and that those ninety hybrid vehicles would be thirty-seven thousand more times impactful on car. On carbon re reduction than that one EV vehicle. What? It's either thirty-seven times or thirty-seven thousand. It's Toyota. Google me. They're right coming now. out with it. You can't support Toyota. You can't support Toyota. They're donating uh, vehicles to Israel that are using against Gaza. <laughs> oh, are they? Yeah, they really are. Oh, <laughs> damn! Toyota's just on the wrong side. They're always uh, like ISIS drives them. <laughs> god damn their marketing team in the foreign countries it must be insane right can you and imagine being in the office of toyota sales pitching that guys we have to find some money to use for advertising where should we advertise and it's like they're looking at different states on a dartboard or countries on a dartboard why don't we uh, advertise in saudi arabia why i don't know that's like that That's Shane cool. Gillis. You ever seen that Shane Gillis video? Oh, ISIS not associated with the actual <laughs> yeah. ISIS. Yeah. Yeah. And all of their words, like, these prices will blow your mind. He's like, dude, I can't say that. Are you chewing gum? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stick it into the side of my mouth. I'm currently. Just take it out. I can hear it. Take it out. Take it out. Damn, is it really that bad? Just, all right. place, it, just place it on something. You can get back to it later. Like a snack. It's my, it's my nicotine gum. Oh, you need to. Why don't you stop vaping? Yeah, I'm working on it. Good for you. What'd you that documentary scare the shit out of you? What the, oh, the jewel one? Yeah, I, I vaped no. through the whole thing of it. It was pretty ironic. <laughs> I mean, I still <laughs> hit mine from time to time, like, especially like like more towards the middle of the day in the afternoon. But uh, I we had our usual, you know, like everyone there's like that run of COVID that goes through the neighborhood every year, and we got Wait, COVID. What? Like. Where the hell do you live? Move your neighborhood. <laughs> like, what? There's not upticks and uh, like you don't notice that like in your neighborhood. I don't like, want to talk. Sudden... This is not safe for you two. We can't talk about that. I know. I'm sorry. The vid. Anyways. Can't say that either. YouTube figured it out. <laughs> we we had it like two months ago. They took off two letters. We know what they're talking about. <laughs> right. God damn. They're smart over at YouTube. Huh? <laughs> they're adapting. 
But uh, yeah, no, about two months ago, it made its run through our house. And then I just had a nasty cough for like a month and a half. And I'm still trying to get some of it up, it feels like. And I was like, ah, well, this vape probably isn't helping too much. So, Or it could be helping. Now you're just throwing it out. Yeah, we don't know. Exactly. That's the thing, right? What if they're, what if they're actually a secret little uh, antidote to mortality? That's what scares me about the world is that there's so many people that have these different perspectives than what a lot of people agree on. And if you really talk to them about it, they're 100% convinced. And then if you stay long enough, they start convincing you. It's like talking to a schizophrenic. Like eventually they're like, these doctors keep coming in in the middle of the night and they keep injecting me with something. You're like, is he, what is he talking about? And then he pulls up his arm and shows a scab on his arm. And he goes, this scab right here holds cancer. I'm going to flick it off and get rid of it. And I'll be like, cancer He's making some really good points. And you're like, God damn it. Am I going crazy too? Or is he actually making sense? That's why you know you're not the crazy one. That's what they say. But then next thing you know, you wake up and you were really dreaming that you were a normal one. And you're really lying down on the hospital bed tied. And it's you. What happened? You were in a schizophrenic rage for like three years. Damn it. I lost three years. Hey, you're pretty <laughs> productive. Right. Look at all these paintings on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've been in a schizophrenic rage for three years and you just keep pretending you're a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> one day one of us are just going to wake up in like a very successful household. Just, yeah, you're the CEO of this company and you went into a stress, psychotic rage. Uh, <laughs> Thinking you were some <laughs> poor guy in Michigan as a podcaster. Your life is actually a thousand times better. You own 50 yachts. <laughs> Sweet. Now and, then you wake, podcast. and then you wake up again, you're back to that other life. You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> no, no I need to go back to sleep. Yeah. But yeah, the whole Gaza thing's pretty wild, isn't it? I don't want Israel to. and Gaza. I can't. The only heroes really. in that whole thing. Of course, it's always the Brits' fault. It's always the fucking Brits' fault. I just don't know why people want you to make a statement about it. Why do people go, your silence speaks volumes? I'm like, I'm sorry. To all my friends who are posting on Instagram on an app that is literally designed to take photos of sunrises and sunsets, photos of your dog, photos of family members, and photos of people's taints, I don't think putting up a message about Gaza does anything. Donate money. Donate food. I mean, taking refugees, you could do that. Half these people that are tweeting that stuff less than four months ago were tweeting about the, or posting up funny memes about the fucking submersible that crashed and exploded. So it's not like they care about human life because that's human life that was lost. So to me, it's just ironic as hell. Well, it's like Noam Chomsky, you know, nerdy, worthy and unworthy victims. You know, that it's funny how media narratives uh, make you have an opinion on things. All these people have this newly formed opinion on Gaza when they probably couldn't even point it on a map before October 7th. Yeah. You know, like you know, like Jimmy Dore, when it goes back to the other thing we were just talking about. You have an opinion on medicine? Since when did you have an opinion on any medicine that other people took? And now all of a sudden people have opinions on this shit because media... The narratives get it makes, pushed. and then It makes me wonder if you stop talking about it as much or stop finding interest in it, would the media stop reporting on it? Yeah, okay. Is it a uh, what came first, the chicken or the egg type of thing? I think media started it, but I think that it's only because we keep suckling at the tit of it that media keeps reporting on it. Like, Have they talked about Ukraine at all? They haven't talked about Ukraine in a while. No, that's not the next hot topic. That's not it anymore. Now it's all about 
that's a conspiracy media is just slowly inserting like memories or inserting things into the public's consciousness to have and then next thing you know they start talking about yemen and next thing you know we're in a battle with yemen and the next thing you know we're going into this and going into that and they're like yeah but it's we're we're we're, we're future oh my god it's the tom cruise movie where they're predicting things <laughs> but the things already happened that's true there's a thing going on in yemen since 2014 nobody's talking about no yeah yemen and saudi arabia i believe right yeah yep saudi arabia is with our with our bombs of course perfect you know it's great Gaza's yeah, I getting, don't, people like america get involved i was like we're selling guns to both sides how involved do you want us to be <laughs> yeah yeah Gaza, yeah yeah we're giving the <laughs> jesus christ dude america's so fucked up <laughs> this, this place is so fucking fucked <laughs> like we're giving the bombs to israel to bomb gaza and then we're giving the money to the red cross <laughs> to go help the people bombed in gaza I don't get it. They're like, wait, couldn't we just one point eight five million dollars or billion dollars has been given for weapons toward to Israel right now? Mm -hmm. Yet somehow American media is just constantly saying, "Feel bad for Gaza." I was like, "Well, why the fuck are we funding the people that are bombing those people?" Or even leaning on them in the least way, the the the, the least way. To go, hey you guys, <laughs> this, this is a little crazy what you're doing here. Man. Do you do you find that you have value to add to political conversations? I think so. I think because of the fact that, like we, we uh we try to objectively not emotionally attach ourselves to any sort of like politician, or idea or thought, and we get a little excited about being wrong. And we're like when we come on the show, it's like, oh fuck, we call them sloppy seconds. Like, oh fuck, we got that wrong. We got to come back for a second time to talk about this one. And uh, so when we're wrong about things, like we we call it out, kind of to show people, like, hey, it's okay to be wrong. You know, we can like we'll we'll intentionally go and listen to an opposing view on something that we think we know about or what we feel about, intentionally to get the other side to help us reformulate our views and our opinions. You know, because like, what's that quote? Like, when the facts change, my mind changed. Pray tell, what do you what do you do, sir? And uh, so, like, and like, we also like kind of show like some of the stuff that people get so heated about just doesn't matter. Obviously, Gaza is not an example of that, but like, let me think of an example. Like, when when Disney doesn't share your political views, yeah, like when Disney doesn't share your political views, who gives a fuck? When Bud Light, you know, uses a trans woman for a picture, <laughs> who gives a fuck? But then at the same time, you could also understand why people are scared because their kids are in these schools and they don't want this stuff being pushed on their kid. And it's like, that's understandable. But do you feel your kid would be malleable to the point where they would get sucked into that type of propaganda or that type of thing that people are fearing? Well, my kid's only four. He likes the color pink, but he also likes playing in dirt and with pickup trucks and cars all day long. And doesn't really do anything else. That's you know what I mean? Like it's I don't know, kids are kids. They're figuring things out and like is it like forcing them into one weird box, I think stifles their own growth. And maybe that's what we're seeing from the older generations that they are stuck in these boxes and that people on the outside of the boxes make them uncomfortable. I think more concern should be placed in the older generations than should be in the younger generations 
because I think they're growing up and they're able to form with the rapid tide of moving technologies and moving events that are going on. And the older people just aren't, you know, they used to check the newspaper if they wanted to get their politics. Now they check their phone as soon as they wake up or check Facebook and it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. It's everything is a lot faster now, right? Like they grew up in a time where they got all the news the next day from the newspaper. You know, or there was from like Walter Concrete, the one guy, and that's the news and that's the way it is, you know, and now it's so many voices and so many platforms and stuff. That's another reason too, is like we don't wanna put ourselves on that type of pedestal that we're this like this source of information. It's us just unpacking it. Like almost like a sort of like talk therapy session. We're unpacking the same type of noise that everyone else is. We're no we don't claim to know more than anyone. We're just kind of just Showing that it's okay to talk about and to not know an answer, not have a definitive opinion, not have a definitive fact. Do you ever go into well? Do you ever go into subjects like AI, where AI is expanding towards? So that's like a real concern for a lot of people. It is, especially white collar workers. The white collar workers are the ones that like like what happened in the eighties and nineties with automation that decim like that decimated like blue collar workers is now the same thing that's about to happen to the white-collar workers. You're going to see a lot less need for accountants, a lot less need for even financial advisors, bankers. Uh, you saw the whole, the whole uh, writing industry in the, or the whole, all the writers in the film industry going on strike because of it. Because you could. Have you ever messed around with AI at all? I know you have with photos. Yeah. I don't know about with like Word, but you could pick your favorite show and tell it to write a plot for that. And it'll write one, and you could be like, oh, okay, I could see this as an episode. They just created uh, an AI out there that is so advanced that it's almost AGI, which is like artificial general intelligence, which is something that's like a step above AI. But the platform isn't 100% there yet. But a while back, the same company had released songs of artists that were passed away. Like Amy Winehouse, there's a it version. It sounded just like him. Yeah. So this is actually being able to create new songs off of material that an artist had. And a song was released and everyone was like, it's Kanye. I was like, it's not Kanye, though. It's The thing is that the only distinctive tell you can tell that it's not Kanye because it sounds exactly like him. There is no like robotic. You know, with AI, there's something that's just off. There's one thing that sounds like this doesn't sound human. The Beatles one came out. Everyone listened to it. They're like, it's really good. But it, it doesn't sound like it has the human thing that we really crave, that factor. This took that out and somehow made it sound exactly like how Kanye did. Like, I guess you could do it for rap because it's a little bit different tone than having like a, a full on emotion when you're saying right, the cadence is faster. Yeah. yeah. So the only reason that they were able to tell it wasn't actually Kanye was because it never took a breath. So the the thing when it was rapping or when it was singing, it never did the it never did the and you can edit all that out, but you can't physically there's a thing in your voice that changes when it's about to breathe. And if you're rapping like that, it was just perfectly flowing. So they realized that that was AI and it came out. It was AI. It was an advanced program that recreated a song using power by Kanye West and using another version that just created a whole new rap out of nothing. And it was done in less than five minutes. And I was like, that's going to really affect a lot of people. Yeah. So that, that is the type of stuff that concerns me. I get excited about it when it comes to like being like, there's different, you're seeing them use these tools. Like right now uh, there's a, there's uh, doctors using AI and they're just running medicines and the chemical compounds through an AI system on one end and on the other end running diseases 
and like what the receptors are and what like has worked and like and then the AI is being able to take medicines that we never even thought of and being able to plug that into a different disease and it actually has like a positive effect on it and they're doing this through AI and they're like and they're finding new ways to cure diseases and stuff and that stuff's great but then at the same time like I just downloaded it because I'm going to mess around with it but like there's AI keyboards and what in like the, the South Park episode using AI to talk to people and talk to each other with text messages have we really checked out are we really checking out that far of our social like interactions with people like because we've already gone from just face to face to telephone or face to face to telegram face face to telephone and then from telephone to like mobile phones the texting the facetiming the zooming and things like that there's already now a wall of disconnection between you and i i mean it's cool we're being connected over thousands of miles but it's not the same as face to face now we can't even and then like everyone like you see like the millennials and stuff always talking about how they prefer texting over calling now they're not even going to have to text they're just going to have a a a robot make their text for them and then the chances are the person on the other end is going to be doing the same thing and then you're just it's really just two robots connecting and you're just observing do you think it goes bad or do you think it goes good oh that part I mean, any of AI, I mean, where's the direction that it leads to? I mean, the biggest thing that we're concerned about with kids is their curiosity, where their curiosity is going to lead them. Now, in my opinion, I think curiosity is important because it leads people to do things like for yourself. You're interested in politics. You're interested in problems and things that you feel like you can address or talk about, which is an important issue. Um, But a lot of people don't like the curiosity aspect. They don't see it as curiosity, but kids are curious, not calling you a kid, but humans naturally are curious things. When AI was first integrated on Snapchat, Instagram now has AI. It's your own personal AI. You can ask it a question and it'll learn from you. Now it is taking information from you as it's doing that. But the curiosity aspect, the first thing everyone was asking it questions, what's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? What's the answer to this? Because you are now already considered this thing that's been in your life for five seconds to be smarter than you on every single level and be able to decipher the truth because it had access to this imaginable thing called the internet. And that curiosity eventually will lead us somewhere pretty bad. I mean, I don't think it's going to extinct the whole species, but I think we're going to have a really rough generation or so where there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to be able to get a job because machines have replaced them. There's going to be a lot of things that are going to be switched over to automated learning rather than actual human interaction. And that's going to disconnect a lot of people. Right. Because, yeah, because then even if like, well, you go, oh, well, there's UBI. And then it's like, okay, yeah, you know, universal basic income, everyone gets this little passive income and they get to explore all their crafts and be creative and draw art. And then it's like, oh, wait, no, just AI does that now. Yeah, well, I mean, some people suck at the things they think they're going to be good at if they just had enough time for it. And they're going to be really upset when they find out that they do suck at that. God, I wish I just had a job. Yeah. (laughs) At least in my imagination, I was good at doing this. Yeah. Yeah. What's what's that? That, That's called something. There was a there was an NPR hidden brain thing about that, how people how millions of people want to do a certain thing or try a certain thing. But instead of doing it, they'll spend like hours on YouTube watching other people do it. Like people who don't actually do like crafts or don't actually do like home, like home improvement projects will sit there at home and watching other people do it and enjoy the hell out of it, but then not do it themselves. Or like people who love singing and they'll watch other people sing 
but then they don't do it that much is a little bit. I mean, singing is more of a hit or a miss. You're either good at it or not. But I heard you singing, actually. Speaking of singing, saw your couple little clips of you singing. Oh, like, rock, I got, like, I'm over that. Oh, are you? Yeah. <laughs> what? Someone just give you a nasty comment? No, yeah, I think they were like, yeah, it's like a seven out of ten, and I was just like, all right, I'm wrapping this bad boy up. Well, then you got to find a band that's ten out of ten. I mean, I think they said I was a seven out of ten, so I was like, okay, fair, fair point. Oh, you just wanted to see? Like, I just need to know. Yeah, I just want to know. A lot of people gave me tens, but then there was that one that was just like, eh, seven out of ten. So the one hater. Yeah. You know that fucking in elementary school, people told Shakira she sounded like a goat, right? Yeah, I was voted most likely to die. <laughs> no, I mean, she wasn't most voted uh, to sound like uh, a goat, I'm just what? saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, they just told her she sounded like a goat? Yeah, so like, like, I guess classmates made fun of her and said she sounded like a goat when she sang. And imagine if she let those haters shut her up. Then we would never have had... I think it was like her hips. If she didn't hit puberty and she would have had flat hips and she would have sang that, nobody would have given her the time of day. Half of her career, I think, is based off of attraction to her. Oh, God, those hips don't lie, man. You know Lizzo just lost a bunch of weight. Did you see that? I didn't. Yeah, she came out saying, I'm going to take care of myself and not worry about the haters. I think I look damn good and I'm on a body. I've always been body positive, but now it's time to get my health in check because there's serious concerns. I was like, wait a fucking minute. You are giving so much shit to all these fit people. And now you're going the complete opposite way because she realized there were some serious health concerns with it. It's like, have we not been shouting that from the rooftops? Yeah, I know. But that's yeah, that 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 stuff is pretty wild how that got out of hand, right? But it's like how all of a sudden telling someone, hey, being over, like, I guess hmm, calling someone fat is still kind of mean, right? Of course it is. But but just expressing the idea that you are concerned for people's health if, if they've gained an, ex, like, an enormous amount of weight, that also shouldn't be bullying. That's like, hey, no, I'm concerned about you, you know, like. Your heart's yeah, I mean, probably the... really tired. <laughs> <laughs> the we the we fit and your board shoes was... are probably pissed. <laughs> <laughs> the we fit board was the only thing that told you in a way that was not positive at all. You would step on that scale and whether whatever it only it, it it wasn't accurate at all. But it would just if you were like let's say you put in your age and you put in your height and if you put in your weight and it wasn't considered what the medical average was, it, say, would, just, it would have the whole it would have the whole meter break through over oh, the obese geez. line and then have your whole me just go super super fat are you like serious? obese that's how they say it <laughs> way to go yeah they're like obese and they did it like that way when you pick out a me and then like obese and I'm a fit guy. I'm in really good shape, but I step on that thing. And it's like obese. I'm like, God damn it. I got to do another six hours of cardio. <laughs> I will make this. We shows a bunch running me. away. Like when you accidentally throw the bowling ball backwards. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, <what? laughs> that was a good movement though. When the, we was actually like kicking up into like the more getting people active and get, that was a good idea. I just wish that Xbox and PlayStation didn't eclipse the Wii in such a way. And I think it was just because the Wii was kind of eventually a lot of their games are marketed towards kids, which is important to eliminate childhood obesity for sure. But there was just a big issue with it, not being able to adapt to older. And then a lot of their games that did were like, are you smarter than a fifth grader? And everyone's like, I got to figure this out. I want to know. 
if I am smarter than a fifth grader. Like, Jesus, am I am I smarter than the fifth grader? These people on the show suck. God damn, I just welded a bridge. You're telling me I don't know what the capital of Idaho is? Isn't it Boise? Yeah, sure. I don't know. Or is it Des Moines? Now it's gonna that's gonna bother me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> am I smarter than a fifth grader? You could be. I'll f you know what? The host wasn't even smarter than a fifth grader. You did, <laughs> Jeff. What was his name? Jeff Foxworthy. Yeah. I'm. You know what? I'm gonna find out if I'm at least smarter than fucking five year olds in a little bit here at those bounce houses. You just gotta be trick jumping, tricking, <laughs> push them down. You don't even know what the Pythagorean theorem is. I don't either, but yeah. they don't know. They don't know that I don't know. Once they don't ask one of those follow up questions. <laughs> yeah, what's that? Ask your mom. <laughs> Would you know. say that the world is better now than it was back 20 years ago? Hmm. There's obviously been debate about that between different perspectives, whether you consider socially are we better. Um, there's different variables there, but also, I mean, we are in a state of, I don't know what, prosperity. Um, we are very prosperous as much as there's issues socially that we could be fixing, but we're in a state now where we can literally bitch about things on Twitter and not have to worry about being fucking mauled to death by a bear. Isn't that funny? You just get mauled to death verbally by other people who disagree with you. Which are, it's just your feelings getting hurt. You can easily step away. Right. You can just turn it off, put the phone but down. you don't step away. Go, you don't. Go touch don't. some grass. No, you don't. Um, so I think like we've seen this big velocity you know of like activism and all this stuff about different even no matter how niche it is or how like broad it is when it comes to racism and things like that and you've seen a pendulum like do this big swing and even if it's some of it is like some of the stuff that people do it's a bit like annoying and like the way they do things and stuff like that and but I like i think that that stuff is still important because I think that the whole moral compass of society is in a better spot now than it was 20 years ago, as evidenced by uh, how the how the narrative right now is people trying to tell Israel, like even Biden in his milk toast criticism of what they're saying, like don't do what we did after 9-11. Like after 9-11, we were bloodthirsty. Justifiably, I guess, people were really upset. They were scared. They were mad. They were sad. They were feeling all of these emotions. They just saw two of the biggest towers just eviscerate thousands of people. But the people in Israel are seeing the same thing. But us with a clearer lens of it are trying to like say, hey, don't do what we did. It led us into just 20 years of wars and all these different things. And like, we, uh, I think people are trying to have more context and more perspective on things. Some people, other people that are still wet behind the ears, you know, as cringe as the word is, I just found out it meant something different, but normie, but the normies are, which I still don't exactly grasp the whole concept of that word, but the ones who are just upset by the current thing. Yeah. I don't know where the, the I mean, what are your thoughts on people suddenly hopping, hop, hop, hopping into the political discussion? I mean, really starting to have like people that you would never think of having really strong political views now because of just, uh, I mean, what can only be described as a typical genocide um, with the Gaza uh, situation that's going on. And I just wonder, I was like, where were you back then when other things were happening? Like we've never, it's all how you view it. I mean, 
if you want to examine the submersible thing that crashed, which I think is kind of really important because I know that was big controversial. A lot of people didn't think it was right for those people to go down there and they laughed at those people that got crushed and killed. And I kind of looked at it from a human aspect. Yeah, no, they could go down there. That's human nature to explore. I'm not judging them for doing that. Like we've, you go to Mount Everest and it's littered with bodies on your way up. I just never wanted to do anything that would lead me to that point. Right. It like, goes back Mount to what Everest you were saying. is not that important to me where I would want to go risk my life. You know, if like, I, I gotta go see some snow, man. My <laughs> shoes on tied. Shit, I can't get up now. And then just people are walking past you. Sorry, Phil. You know, I guess yeah. I get your office. Yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah. How's your? I'll let. I'll take care of your wife. You're like, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's and it's funny, right? Don't you touch my parking spot. And, but I think it's instinctual that like we need humans to feel alive. Need to have a little bit of uh, you know, like adrenaline shot, a little bit of oof, like a fear, a flight or flight moment. And uh, like you said when you said about the Twitter thing, we're not getting mauled by bears anymore. We've removed. We've uh sanitized and purified our lives and made them so safe and secure that any of the outside elements that the world can throw at us, we can save ourselves from. We got people living next to volcanoes in their houses. You know what I mean? Like they can technology that they found out ways to survive it. You know, tornadoes, people have shelters, like people still die from these things, but on a grand scheme, people, the survivability rate on these different things is pretty good. We know when a hurricane's coming, people board up or they move because we have the technology to tell us. We don't have any wild animals in our neighborhoods unless we go into the wilderness. We don't have to sit by fires or sleep in caves, petrified at night. We get to sleep in comfortable beds. So we put ourselves, because we removed ourselves from danger, we put ourselves in danger just to feel alive again, like climbing Mount Everest or going 3,000 miles, or how many, I don't know how many miles they were under the, under the water surface, but getting crushed up by a tin can. Well, what was your turning point? That's such a strange thing to want to do with your dad, to go check the Titanic. Like, if someone told me that, hey, guess what I did? I went and saw the Titanic in a little submersible built by my dad. I wouldn't even ask a follow-up question. I would be like, cool, did you actually touch it or something, maybe? And they're like, like no, oh, that's cool. we saw, I saw it through the movie. a screen. We saw it through a screen. I'm like, I could do the same fucking thing from my house in my bed. Right. Like, oh, that's, that's cool. Uh, I saw the movie. <laughs> you know, like that exactly like, oh, okay. But what was your turning point? Like when you kind of woke up, I would say, I mean. Oh, like started paying attention to politics and stuff? Yeah, just kind of really getting more into the political realm of things. I oh, think there's a turning main, point for everybody. Yeah, our main man, Trump. <laughs> really? He's the one that got me into politics. Yeah, I was, I didn't give two shits about politics. We're recording this on Jan 6th too. Yeah, oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not a Trump fan, so I mean, he could be. I'm not guy. either. Okay. No, he's a, no, no, no. You said my man Trump. <laughs> I, know, I, I get lumped in that category. <laughs> no, I said my man Trump because he's the one that actually made me pay attention to politics. Because in 2016, uh, pre 2016, I didn't give a shit about politics. I go, like, I was a, uh, I was the type of person who was just on the internet, just having fun and just trolling around and messing with people, pretending to act old to fuck with people my age. <laughs> on the internet in random groups just speaking in all caps and saying listen here with angry emojis and stuff and people would be like look at this boomer and i'm laughing because like i'm not a boomer and then uh and then and then uh bernie sanders came about trump came about and uh there was this old old head at work and he was a democrat and he was like just 
talking to us about politics and trying to get us into interested in it and stuff like that. And then Trump bombastically comes onto the scene saying all this wild shit. And it's like, what the fuck? And then Bernie shows up and Bernie was saying some spitting fire as well, talking like, no, uh, Nobody that works 40 hours a week should have to depend on the government, you know, or have to rely on government sanctions or subsidies and things like that. And it's like, oh, wow, he's right. And then Trump is starting to say shit like we need to ban all Muslims. And I'm looking at the clock and it's like, dude, it's 15 years after 9-11. You shouldn't be saying that shit. And then uh, I just started paying attention to politics. And that's when the Internet was like wild with people arguing because I was right in the mix of it. You know, and it, like I think it like polished and it, it was interesting because it made you like learn things and stuff because I would share an article and then immediately someone would comment like fake news or something like that. And I'd be like, oh, okay. And then I have to go find another article and then make sure the sources are good to back up what I'm doing. And then I'd share that article and then they would share an article and I have to read that article and I have to fact check their shit. And then it was just, it was kind of fun and interesting. It was just something to do. And then uh, when you realize, and then you st- then it's like you opening, opening Pandora's box, you realize just how fucked up and corrupt it all is. And it's like, I can't keep this all bottled up. I need to talk about this. Why do you consider it controversial to talk about it? A lot of people consider like certain topics. I talk about JFK topics, um, any of the list of topics that really have been on my show, people would see as a more controversial thing. And to me, I think it's just fascinating. So I like sharing the information that I learned, but apparently people go, oh, you don't talk about this, just a heavy topic. And I was like, I don't see it as heavy though. I think it's just important. Yeah, I think Trump that, – that's another, that's another thing too. That, that's one of the only things I really give Trump credit for is uh, he kind of he cracked it open and made everyone pay attention to politics because he like forced it on everyone. And things that were a little bit controversial before, I don't think just the, like the subjects, like the topics themselves or the hot takes people have can be controversial. But the subject itself, I think it's more – open to talk like more like acceptable just to talk about politics now i feel like everyone talks about it a little bit more and i think that's a good thing i think it's similar to talking about your wage at work like if everyone knows what everyone's making it gives you a little bit more leeway to go talk to your boss about stuff just like if everyone knows what's happening in politics and everyone's paying attention it creates accountability for uh their politicians and stuff and that's what initially the founding fathers intended fucking benjamin franklin when he walked out after they finally made the constitution at the uh when they were all getting the forget what it was called the something i think the something convention it might have even just been the constitutional convention when he walked out after they were all signing it and stuff someone goes so what do we have and then uh benjamin franklin said a republic if you can keep it like he laid the power at the people's feet you know and it's up to us to do it the reason why the shit's fucked up is because we let it get fucked up but now everyone's talking about it. And I think that's why everyone's angry. Everyone's angry because they know it's fucked up. They just, they're not sure who to be mad about. And they pick sides like it's a football game, which, by the way, go blue Monday. Uh, we can get into that in a second if you're into sports at all. Not at all. Because <laughs> I'm um, fucking pumped for that, man. No, I was just going to say, I think it's for the longest time, there were things you couldn't talk about. You couldn't talk about religion. You couldn't talk about sex. You couldn't yeah, you talk remember about religion it. and politics. You don't yeah. talk about that at the dinner table. And I think the reason for that was that they, the, the meaning behind it was that when you do, you're going to come across people and people that you would consider a friend and you've known for a long time don't share the same views. And it's immediately going to go sour and realize that you are alone on your ship, your political aisle. 
and that you might want to surround yourself with more. We didn't, we got along a lot better when, I mean, people always talked about politics. Yeah. People always talked about politics, but I just think now it's too much of the conversation. You know, people could step away for a while and now they can't. Because of social media, people can put themselves in silos. You know what I mean? They can create an echo chamber to where they have a few thousand friends in a Facebook group who all agree exactly the same way they do about something. And then when they go into the world, then they get succumbed by it. And then they go into the world and then they realize other people don't have the same view. And they're like, but everyone else does because their algorithms force fed them together. Are you dying on me? You right? Uh, No, I'm still here. That neighborhood uh, vid coming at you, huh? No, that was in November. I'm not even gonna say that anymore. We gotta stop talking about that. No, but like you know, it's it's it comes around and goes around. It's like the seasonal flu. It's like herpes. Well, it sticks with you, brother. Yeah, forever. <laughs> that shit don't leave. It's like glitter. Main reason why I'm not trying to go back to Vegas. I've only been to Vegas for seven hours. Why seven hours? It was just a layover. That's a good movie. Oh, seven hours in Vegas. Seven hours, just seven hours in Vegas. You're just in, in the fall just, in the airport, just, just looking around. It's just you just switching knees to rest your leg. <laughs> no, we actually made the best of it because we uh, we left the airport, and uh, it's funny because all we had was carry-ons because I was taking the train back from Oregon. So we left the airport and they just walked around Vegas for seven hours, and it was but it, it wasn't even like hype because it was seven o'clock in the morning. Like the casinos were still open and stuff like that. And I threw a quarter in a slot just to say I played a slot in Vegas. But like, we just walked around to get the sights and see the views, walk the strip. No, no one on the strip. It was the middle of the day. It was like, like I said, 7 a.m. Though there was a guy that I wish I had more time to talk to. There was this guy in a full suit. And this was this is what makes me want to go back to Vegas because people are like, oh, yeah, that's normal for Vegas. A guy was in a full suit. And he had a really nice champagne glass or like a wine glass. And he had a bottle of wine and a six pack of, or a 12 pack of Trulies. And he was sitting in a fountain up to his chest with wine in his glass, just giggling. And I was like, oh, Vegas looks like a great fucking time. I'm like, what is he drinking? <laughs> I would like a glass of that. I know he was just sitting there. <laughs> like, you, would, you would do that if you had a shit ton of money. Yeah, he either won a shit ton or he lost a shit ton to be sitting in a fountain like that. There was a guy at my work. Um, I work at a casino again, so I work two jobs. But I work one. Oh, you're working cas- at the casino? Yeah, back at it doing a, a – I can't tell you the details about some specific stuff. Um, but one guy had won $312,000 in some blackjack game and they went to go get his give him his money and talk to him and like you know get get exchange the information you need to, to do that large of a cash transaction and he was just like unexcited and I was like we know he's a regular but I was like he must be just a rich rich guy to not care about $312,000 and we actually found out that he was on death row so over the past like years, the death row has kind of been banned and then outlaw or whatever it is. These legal shifts have kept him on death row for over 25 years. All these different changes and banning it in certain states while he's on for this thing. And he finally they found out that they got the wrong guy. So the government paid him. Yeah, the government paid him one point eight million dollars. And in my head, I'm going, that's not enough for 25 years. 
you're in you you lost half your life basically on what 1.8 million is all the government thought it would maryland thought it would be okay to give him to forgive him for or make him forget of all his troubles so when he won the money and he had to end up coming back to get it because he refused to give his social security number and i was like yeah i would too the government had literally fucked him over and he's like no i'm not giving you my fucking social i'm tired of you guys just bullying me around give me the money that i earn and i'll go home did he get it yeah he came back and got <clears throat> it. did he have to give him his social he did yeah, he's like, all right, fine, I'll give you the social. That's a lot of money. Yeah, I, once I started learning about this, and they're like, oh, yeah, now that you work in this certain area, you can never gamble at this casino ever again. I was like, damn, really? Now, every time I see somebody win a giant jackpot, I'm like, fuck, I just want to go down there and put a little quarter in one of those machines and just run off. To a <laughs> you know, I've, I've only, so I've, uh, I've gone to the casino a few times, but I've never... That's just one thing that's not, and it's weird to see that you you see some people lose everything over it. But gambling itself, I've never. I worked Christmas. That was pretty. That was sad. There was a oh, lot. Really? Of, there was a lot of people in there. Like families, like brothers, and like 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 as a uh... like parents that were in there, and their kids were probably underage or younger than eighteen to be an adult. It was just sad. And then I, I when I was there, my boss goes, "Yeah, I went there on Christmas with my uh, fiance," and I was like. It was sad, wasn't it? Like, no, we had a good time. I was like, oh, God, I was up in that watching everybody. I was like, that's fucking, this is sad as shit, man. It's depressing around here. Right. I guess it'd be, it would like, it'd be, uh, it would be, what's, oh, what's the word? Indi like an individual thing, because you could see, like, maybe a young couple, it's Christmas. They don't have to go, to, they don't have to do anything until Christmas dinner. Go down to the casino. Well, COVID a changed everything. Before when back like before it was like mandated, okay, it's Christmas, we have to go see family. Everyone kind of fell in line with that. We gotta go to this house, we gotta go to this house, we gotta try and see everybody. It's just a traditional thing you did. And then after not being able to really go and see people, you kind of were like, Huh, well, what do you want to do this Christmas? Well, I don't feel like going flying all the way over there, so I'd rather just stay home. We'll just voice call them and then we'll do whatever we want. And I think people like that more. Um, I would consider it probably better interactions that way, because then if you can't see your family on Christmas because you don't want to see your family on Christmas, then that means they will come down and see you on other days that aren't just Christmas related. I just nah. noticed your shirt. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Nice hat, <laughs> it's a good company. I like their style. Yeah. They just made, um, they used to do like a lot of Disney stuff mixes with like Neff makes a lot of Disney, like Mickey Mouse material and Steamboat Willie just became public domain. Yep. <laughs> Fucking Disney is pissed, dude. Disney is oh, pissed. Oh, God, they're so mad. Winnie the Pooh and then Steamboat Willie. But yeah, uh, you know, because even, I mean, I guess it, like, again, I guess it depends. Because even before COVID, when I was like a little guy, I was working at the movie theaters. And uh, on Christmas Day, Christmas Day was one of the busiest days. Family, but it'd be families, though. Like, it would be like a family tradition. They'd go to the movies. Not the casino, where it's just like the adults, like they're making the kids wait in the car, I guess. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's 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 strange to me, I guess. I mean, I, I, I mean, would you say that with social media and all that it has divided us more or brought us more together? I don't think it's hmm. I think it's more or less siloed. Siloed people. And it's, it's almost like because the Internet isn't real. The social media stuff isn't real. Everything's pretty much 90 percent fake. People Most only people post the highlights percent fake. Yeah, so I'm saying people only post the highlights of their life on their Facebook. You know, it's not like what Facebook was in 2010 
when someone would just just make their status. Lunch was good. Like it's still kind of like that thing. now a little so, bit. But like now everyone posts like their vacation trips, pics of their kids, when they got a new car, when they got their degree, you know, like things like that. Like they're posting the highlights and then they're in their little groups arguing with people. But in real life, you know, when you're walking around and stuff, people are still cordial. People are still holding doors open for each other. Everyone's still getting along. Everyone, like everyone's sitting next to each other in the movie theaters or in the stadiums and not everyone's at each other's throat there. It's just the internet. The internet, I think the internet just makes it seem that way. Because if it was as uh, hostile in the, in the real world as it is on the internet, you'd be seeing a lot more shootings, a lot more fights, a lot more disruption, a lot more craziness. You get the pockets, you get, you know, like when you get the, the silos of the crazies every once in a while together in real life, wild shit happens like January 6th. Fucking these fucking idiots thought they were going to do an insurrection by, I don't know, squatting squatters rights. Is that what it was? Like they just thought that if they got inside and hung out for six months. It was theirs. Well, unrelated from January, whatever. Do you want to, do you believe and subscribe to the idea, which I do believe, which is that the government creates monsters for reasons of control. I'm not saying anything about terroristic acts or anything like that. I mean, it could be, yeah, but I think that the full picture is obviously not given to the American public on certain events. And I think it's very incentivized for the government to create a monster. And I mean, if you look at Charles Manson and the hippie movement, Charles Manson wasn't a hippie, but everyone associated because Charles Manson did drugs and lived out in a field. They were given to him by the CIA. I I mean, there's evidence for that. But I'm just saying that there's a lot of things that make it kind of very suspicious when you start looking at like there's this idea that has always been instilled into us, which is the boogeyman. There's always got to be this guy who's evil. And a lot of people don't care to hear the rationale of how he became evil. I mean, look at true crime. All of it is filled with that. How does a sick person kill all these people and get to this point? He must have just been born evil. And it was like, well, what happened in his life? And you find out he was horribly abused. He was the nature versus nurture aspect. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it brings up real morality questions, which is like, I mean, people say like Charles Manson, he needed to be locked away. Agreed. But to tell me that he was unfixable. That's where I have a problem because I do not believe anybody is unfixable. I just believe you haven't tried hard enough. And when people go, what, you want to sit there and hold his hand? I go, no, but the government didn't develop lobotomies to literally fix a person permanently to a point where whether you call that a life or not, again, another question of morality. But to say the government tried everything to fix Charles Manson, that's a crock of shit. They could have easily stuck an ice pick in his eye, scrambled that little prefrontal cortex, and had that dude eaten out of a straw. Smiling and waving and drooling at everyone. Yeah. So it's like I don't believe that like there's not an idea out there or there shouldn't be an idea out there that everyone is redeemable in different methods for sure. I think that just bases on the quality of what you would consider life and what you would consider morality. Yeah. And yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And uh, going back to the beginning of like – the uh the government creating monsters or whatever i mean the government it's pretty much known for a fact was infiltrating uh protest groups on the left and the right Go during that probe. whole time yeah go and tell probe and in, in, in january 6th and even uh like there's a podcast out and this guy is an investigative journalist he's talking about this guy named mickey mickey weindecker i think his name is and he was a fbi informant that was infiltrating BLM movements. 
and then trying to get them to do acts of terrorism. In Michigan, I don't know if you remember learning about or hearing about the whole uh, Whitmer kidnapping scheme of our governor. Oh, yeah, with those zip ties. With the zip ties and stuff, yeah. Well, there was like three, like three, like three of the people involved in that. It might have one to three people involved in that were an FBI informant, and at least two of them got off by arguing entrapment because the FBI were like they were just in groups, just acting crazy, just a bunch of people just talking shit, and this guy just gave them the means and the connections and the how to to do this, and then they arrested them before they did it. That's not conspiracy. I think that's just documented proof of like. Yeah, yeah, it's not conspiracy, but the government, well, the FBI spent $659 million. Well, the FBI, CAA, and all of them has spent like $659 million in the last like 10 years on paying informants to do things like that. Walk around, find a crazy, kick some dust up, try to get them to uh, do something crazy. And then as soon as they go to do something crazy, they stop it. And then they're like, oh, look at us. We saved the world just to make themselves relevant, to keep getting money from the government and their budget to do it more. When they could just be spending their time actually finding rapists and murderers and things like that. Which they they incentivized informants uh, with cash incentives and other to, prizes to push to get, and prize on these people yeah to, well to also get juicier information where you wonder how much of that information was truly fabricated mm-hmm. and you know what's also fucking nasty about informants the fbi or the cia or police or anyone if they want to come into your house they need to get a warrant an informant who isn't officially government just gets like works with them will go and befriend these people that they want to get into their houses to the point where that person will invite them in unknowing that they're wearing a wire and that person or a camera and that person go in their house and walk around and hang out and drink beers and whatnot and then turn around and leave give that data to the government and then it's permissible in court even though there was no warrant and you had no idea that person was an informant it's a loophole yeah it's a loophole and then right now, also, they're kind of getting away with the same shit with this new FISA uh, bill or whatever, that it's supposed to be for protection for the company country, that if anyone is from overseas, if we think that they're a spy, then we get to dig into them and anyone associated with them. So you could be chatting about some bullshit with someone overseas, and then our government could think they're a spy, and because you're connected to them, they can go through them to you and go through your shit. That's dirty. That's so manipulative. Mm -hmm. It's strange because like I know a lot of this from doing the Fred Hampton assassination research and William O'Neill was a guy who was a main security person for Fred Hampton. I don't know if you know who Fred Hampton is. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He was, he wasn't, he was, was he the leader Black of Panthers? the Illinois chapter of the Black Panther Party. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he's so, the one that got shot up in his apartment. Yeah, so it was 120-something shots, between 99 and 120-something shots that were fired. And when, after the raid happened, Edward Hanrahan, the main mayor of the town, um, or no, he was the district court attorney or something like that, he went on television and said that like the Black Panthers fired back at this police officers that were raiding the house and everything and they pointed to these holes in the walls well if you look at those holes they were nail holes 
for hanging pictures and stuff like that. Towards the end, they figured out that 120 something shots were attributed to the Chicago police. And then only like, I think one was attributed to Mark Clark. And they think that that was a reactionary pull because it hit the ceiling. So he was sitting in a chair, a bullet goes right through his side all the way through him. And he had a shotgun on his lap. So he just pulled and fired and he was killed instantly. Um, but that they only found one bullet that was attributed to the Black Panthers. But William O'Neill was the informant who was given a $300 bonus um, by his uh, contact in the FBI um, who was getting letters. And there's a letter from J. Edgar Hoover saying, we appreciate the work that you've done. You've stopped the monster, basically. And it was part of the COINTELPRO program, which was really in the basis of it. It attacked both groups, but it was largely Black Panthers because they were looking for the rise. They're trying to prevent the rise of a Black Messiah. Someone that can unify the masses, which is what it says in the documents. So, like, it, for me, like, William O'Neill, I mean, towards the end of his life, he threw himself in front of a subway um, and killed himself. And it's because he went into court with all these people that had just got their house raided. Two people just died. A lot of people were injured. And they're in court being charged for violence, basically, even though they were the ones that were attacked. And he has to go up into court. And they're like, wait, you're the informant? And he's like, Sorry. You know, I mean, he, he's probably put in a shit position, but, he, you know, he got a map to Fred Hampton's house, a floor plan. He did a possibly drugged him. They found psychobarbital uh, in his system on the second autopsy. So, I mean, it, it, like I said, you, you incentivize people to with cash create, or with yeah, something. Create, create crime just to stop crime. So that's not crazy, but people would call that crazy. Isn't that wild? But it's all documented. All that stuff. Well, it's the waking up moment. When do people start waking up? So that's, I think this is the waking up moment. And when you're sleepy, you say weird things, you act a little weird, you know, like someone shakes you really quick, you might throw a punch, you know, like that's what's happening, I think, right now as a society. That it, it looks a little bit crazier and a little bit more wild right now because there's a reshuffling of the deck. But I think that as everyone is getting their bearings and stuff like that, it is going to be a net gain. Yeah, but how much do we lose? Hmm. We've lost just a, a lot couple, already. Just a couple relationships with friends. Well, you, like I guess when we're like what are like you mean our freedoms and stuff like that? I wouldn't say our freedoms. No, like uh, when you say like because you're talking about like because right now we're talking about uh, like how we lost the ability to have a discourse with our own population whether it was ever there in the first place. But we also lost our ability to act with thinking rather than just act out of emotion. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, like, I think maybe the discourse, because like the last time we had any tumultuous times like this was what, the 60s? There was assassinations, a bunch of riots and things like that. There was a war. Like, we've been here before. You know, just right now it seems more heated because back then it was just on TV or in the newspaper. So it was... a uh, but like people didn't really weren't connected like we are now. So like now it's harder to turn it off now. So it seems a little bit more wild, but even in comparison, as crazy as things have gotten now, you know, like back then cops were shooting college students with live rounds on college campuses. That hasn't happened yet. You know, like the assassinations and all that shit. Like it's see, I think because it's more in our faces, it seems more crazy than it actually is. But I think that we're starting to figure it out, I guess. And I don't know how much we're going to lose. Like maybe short of 
a couple of relationships going sour that if is if it's really like one thing because one's pro-choice and one's pro-abortion was that really a friendship in the first place that like you're letting just something that minor in reality ruin your friendship well i think it shows that you need growth if you can't have a disagreement about something and you can't i, I recently just had a conversation with two jfk researchers and i knew that they disagreed on certain things i knew they agreed on the basis of conspiracy and I brought up certain topics and he saw like eventually I was coming to the point where I was interjecting and I was like, let's not try and pick each other's arguments apart. Let's kind of focus on the whole and just share major on the major minor on the minor. And it's, it's difficult because you do get emotionally involved in some of these topics and some of these issues that you truly care about where there's not a point in talking down. One of the criticisms I gave to a friend who was posting up stuff about Gaza, I just said, are you donating money? Are you donating food? Are you donating anything or just offering some type of helping hand besides posting things to your drug addict and alcoholic followers? To make yourself feel better. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, if you want to prop yourself up, sure. But in my opinion, if you really want to do something, it doesn't necessarily need to be spoken that you have done anything. It just needs to be something that you've done and you know you've done. Yeah. Oh, you mean like like, like an actual action? Yeah, like, like you don't have – like if you give – a dollar to a homeless person you don't got to take the photo of yourself doing it yeah exactly you know just do it don't like you know what and like that's even a good challenge like everybody whoever's listening or whatever just next time you see a homeless person give them five dollars or a dollar however much you want to give them but don't tell anyone don't God, tell you'll anyone have people fucking losing their shit they'll be ticking and doing all that type of stuff like a vegan like how do you know if someone's yeah. a vegan yeah. <laughs> they tell you their face <laughs> like, is red and they're Look like their lips are puckered more than someone's yeah. butthole. Yeah, do stuff. Yeah, like do something good to make yourself feel good. It does. It's not all about making yourself look good. That's the thing that social media. That goes back to what I was saying. It's all fake. Everyone just posts shit to make themselves look good. Well, it's just like our political system. Most of the people out there that are saying the things that they're going to do, are they actually going to follow through with it? No. So why do you vote? Uh. Why do you make cast my, into to make that myself. old machine? To make myself feel good. I did a thing. <laughs> I did a thing. No, democracy is important. You know, and like right now, like what we have here definitely isn't. But like I uh, just recently, I was a part of a little movement in a city near here called Royal Oak. We just, I was getting people to sign petitions. We got ranked choice voting put in place and it just passed on the ballot. So that's one more city that uh, destroyed that people can vote. Then it's a way more open system versus the two-party system that we have, and what they're what we're trying to do right now with ranked choice voting, what it's like uh, rank my vote, rank mi vote, is uh, starting starting like the smaller cities, then get to the bigger cities to get people in the more concentrated areas used to the idea, and then try to get it in the whole state. Maine has it. Maine has ranked choice voting. I know you're in Maryland, I believe, but uh. But Maine has it right over there by you. And so I don't know if you are familiar with like it. or nine hours it. away. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's about, yeah. You know, Maine, Maryland. Yeah. You're, you're, that's how right, you're, you're just you're, doing your geography with your fingers. I'm, I'm picking a map about this big. You know, yeah, it's, it's about nine hours. I swear, <laughs> if you squish it closer together, you can get there faster, right? Exactly. <laughs> How's the weather out there? It is changing rapidly. It's gone from cold to warm to cold to warm. I just wish it would pick them. People are getting massively. I've been around so many people that are massively sick. 
and I have not gotten sick. And they're asking, how do you I told do it? I you like, it's a fucking cycle thing. It happens. No, it's, it. it's an orange. An orange a day has kept my body just – that's the only nutrients it's eating is orange. So it's like oh, we like this, and then I haven't gotten sick. Yeah, I – you know, I got a little a little crotch goblin running around. So he goes to school, and it's just you a crotch. Dis- no, a crotch goblin, oh. my kid. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, but he goes to school, and you know that the schools are just a cesspool or a petri dish, just full of diseases and sicknesses. So he always brings home something new, like stray cats. You so gotta just- be feeling good about it, though. Like whenever you want to test out your immune system and see how strong you're getting. I, I got the red eyes. You know, like uh. Can't hurt me with pink eye. I've got it four times. <laughs> I'm immune to pink eye, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, we, but yeah, I just got sick, but feeling better. But I do the same thing. I usually drink a glass of orange juice a day with pulp, and then a lot of times on lunch, I'll either eat a mandarin or a banana or grapes with like a sandwich. Do you are you active when it comes to like bringing back some health options like for your own kid and then also for yourself as well too? I mean, do you try and keep it like a good portion size or you still do fast food and stuff? I don't do fast food nearly as much as I used to. Good. I usually, I usually go and get some good like meat from the deli and then uh some bread and I just make like deli meat sandwiches for lunches and then I'll usually eat like I said an orange banana or an apple with it, a couple of chips or pretzels or something and drink water. Cut out a lot of, like, because I'm not eating fast food every day, so in tow with that is cutting out a lot of uh, soft drink. Pop. I don't know if you guys call it pop out there. In... Soda. You guys call it soda? Yeah. You ever heard that about Michigan? We call it yeah, pop. Yeah, they call it pop. <laughs> and then we had, yeah, you've never had Fago, have you? No. Ah, oh, you're missing out, man. ICP. <laughs> they all drink Fago. Would you say you're more optimistic as you've gone on with your podcast about the future, like now having a kid as well, too? Do you see that there's a little bit more of like you're less fearful about what your kid's going to come in contact with or you're more fearful? Uh, now having a kid, I'm a little fearful about him end up being drafted into some bullshit war. But other than that, I'm pretty, pretty confident. I think what we're seeing right now, like I was saying, like. I think we're at the precipice of a serious change. All the old heads, like look what the two establishment parties are. Their best candidates are fucking Biden and Trump. How long are they going to be able to keep that going? I feel like there's a bunch of grits, dude. Yeah, like like a fifty year loop. We're gonna get a bunch of like yeah, it's gonna it's getting stagnant. It's all these old heads just trying to hold out of this power, so it seems all shaky, unstable, and then we're finally gonna break the chains of that shit. And then I think we're gonna see a little bit more stability, like. Everyone is, like I said, everyone's waking up to the politics. So everyone is just, I don't know. Yeah, I feel, I feel, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, uh, optimistic for our future. That's good. Are you optimistic about where you're going to find a direction for your show? Yeah, I think so. I'll tell you a little bit more about it when we hop off, but I don't want to give away any of the, the D chicks. I don't want to, cause like a name and things like that. Cause I don't want anyone to take it and park it and then we can't fucking have it. <laughs> what about the side spinners? <laughs> side spinners sounds like a funk Just, band <laughs> the meat spins <laughs> the meat spins <laughs> um core you give me enough of your time and you got a birthday party you got to attend but is there a place where people can find any of your links <clears throat> yeah for now libservative podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms our website is libservativeshow.com it can be found at libservative on facebook youtube and twitch instagram and twitter at libservative pod 
Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Wow. I have that written down. I know. I saw <laughs> your, your screen light up like the 4th of July. Because <laughs> we, we, we have to read that on the show. You know how it goes. Have to read it, huh? Your producer get mad at you? I'm the producer. I have to hold, I have to hold myself to a certain standard, you know? You stare yourself in the mirror and say, you son of a bitch. You, <laughs> no more of this Basil Hayden's. It's a goddamn kid's party. <laughs> Don't talk about Gaza. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there's still a time and a place for some things. I'm not going to start talking to Gaza to a bunch of four-year-olds <laughs> while bouncing in a bounce house. <laughs> It'd be funnier if you did. These kids like, have no idea should, what you're talking about. You guys should feel lucky here. Yeah. <laughs> There's kids your age not able to do this right now. And they're just like... Well, on that note, thank you so much, Corey, for joining me. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.